Well, that wasn't the way this game was supposed to go if you're a Bucks fan. A disappointing Christmas Day matchup in Boston where really the Bucks were playing from behind for the entire night. They couldn't shoot. Uh, they were turnover prone again. And a lot of things went wrong in this game. We're going to break it all down because as it currently stands, uh, the Bucks are just clearly a little bit off the pace when it comes to the best teams in the Eastern Conference. So let's uh, discuss what went wrong in Boston. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN and alongside me the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast Frank Madden on Christmas Day in the US at least uh it's uh, well and truly done and dusted here in Australia but we've had some fun Christmas Day podcasts we've had some uh not so fun ones and uh unfortunately today Frank we have to talk about a pretty disappointing game as far as the Bucks are concerned they lose 139 to 118 on Christmas. And of course, we thank everyone for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single day. Especially, I mean, we talk about sickos before, Frank, but we've got the absolute peak sickos right now jumping in this live stream on Christmas Day after a game like that because it was pretty disastrous, honestly. I mean, we, we looked at this road trip as a real litmus test for where the Bucks are at right now. And I think that we suspected that they're a little bit off the pace, particularly offensively. They've been in the bottom half of the league all season long. Uh, but this one was just just wasn't a fun watch. And I, I would say that the Nets game, I thought, was perhaps peak frustration for me watching this team so far this year. Um, but this Nets-Celtics uh, game, again, just confirmed to me that the Bucks just aren't playing clean basketball right now. And uh, they, they aren't where they want to be, clearly, by the time April and May rolls around. But uh, they're off the pace. Yeah, I mean, kind of surprising the Bucks actually offensively ended up putting up, you know, pretty pretty respectable end line, um, 118 points. I think they were at maybe like a 115 offensive rating. Um, but, uh, you know, two things that jump out. I mean, one, Giannis uh, clearly massively outplayed by, by Jason Tatum. I mean, Giannis was making his mid-range jump shots, but right. could not get to the rim at all. Um, Boston did a great job. Again, they can play him 1v1 better than basically any team in the league. And they have multiple guys that can all be respectable starting with Horford and, and Grant Williams. And so, you know, Giannis ends up nine out of 22, but, you know, it was that period where he was six out of 19. And I think really the think kind of late second to through third quarter, you know, I think he was start he started off like four for eight, I think maybe five for nine, and then just could not make a bucket. And, um, you know, the game was close at the end of, of the first yeah. half. Bucks kind of stuck with it. Um, 62-61 survived an onslaught of, Celtics three-point shooting, which again, you know, when you kind of think about like the takeaways from this, Boston, again, a, a really big advantage from the three-point line. They made uh, 19 of 39, which is like, you know, I mean, if, if you give up 19 out of 39 from three, you're not going to win many basketball games. Bucks were 13 out of 36, so they were at least respectable from three. Um, but kind of the same same story as last year, you know, visions of game seven in the second round where um, it wasn't quite so so brazen in terms of uh, the Bucks daring 
you know, Grant Williams to, to shoot wide open three pointers and just selling out hard for everything. But uh, certainly the Boston offense just had a much easier time getting a quality looks than the Bucks did. And then Jason Tatum got on a roll and, you know, he started hitting shots that were extremely difficult. Jalen Brown, you know, had a little bit slower start, but then he ends up with 29 points on 19 shots. Both guys hit, you know, hit, hit really kind of, they, yes, they got some really easy looks, but they also got some, just, you know, made some really difficult baskets as well. And um, you know, again, I think you look at some of the other key guys, I mean, Drew Holiday, 23 points on 14 shots. I mean, you take that every day against the Celtics. Brooke Lopez was seven out of eight, had 16 points. And Pat Connaughton, homecoming game for him on Christmas, starts this game and scores 15 on five out of nine shooting. Um, you know, those guys were fine. And, you know, Joe Ingles also finally made some shots. Again, not, you know, super efficient night, but 11 on three for eight shooting from him. So you finally had some guys actually make some shots against the Boston Celtics. But Giannis was not one of them. He was a game worse, minus 27. He was minus 20 on Friday. The Bucks basically have not been good with Giannis on the floor for surprisingly long stretches of this year. They're barely better with him on the floor than off the floor. And I think we saw again today, like, you know, for whatever reason, the Bucks have not found a rhythm with Giannis on the floor in the same way that you would expect them to. And the Celtics, I mean, again, just kind of boat raced them at the end of the day. Uh, with that three-point shooting and, you know, Tatum just getting on that heater in the second half. So, I mean, Celtics were the better team in the playoffs last year. Again, it went to seven games, but Bucks got a couple really narrow wins uh, that took them to seven games. And again, we can talk about Chris Middleton all we want, but I mean, it's almost January and Chris Middleton still isn't playing basketball. So um, until until Chris Middleton is back and looking like the old Chris Middleton, um, this is what the Bucks are. And obviously against a really tough schedule, uh, they've pretty much, you know, gotten it handed to them, handed to them pretty much every game here outside of that Pelicans game. They got killed in Memphis. Um, you know, they, they lose to Cleveland who controlled that game from really the start and really Bucks had a nice little flurry late to make it close. And then they get killed by Brooklyn. And now they get killed by, by the, by the Celtics on, on Christmas day. So yeah, they're not in a great spot and certainly they are really desperate for, for that schedule to, to ease up a little bit because they certainly um, show that they weren't up for, for the best teams in the East or, or the Memphis Grizzlies either. Yeah. And on a, as we said, it, it's a long road trip. And, and clearly when you, it, normally if you get a long road trip, you don't normally get the gauntlet of literally the top three teams in a row on the road, including over Christmas. So we knew this was going to be challenging. I think I said, asked everyone, what do you think the predictions will be over the seven game stretch, which started with the Golden State Warriors. They won that game there. So they end up going three and four in that seven game stretch, which I probably thought, if I had to guess, I would have said four and three, three and four. But you just wouldn't have hoped that it would have looked like this on the back end of this stretch, which is obviously um, pretty disappointing. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the rotation tonight. And there's been a lot of talk about what Grayson Allen can do against this Boston team. Are there guys like Joe Ingles again? And, you know, is it fair to judge him defensively? I actually thought he had some decent moments. You pointed to the fact that they they made some tough shots. I even thought Grayson Allen was, did some fine things defensively, but he's a little bit too small and Jason Tatum doesn't care about shooting over him. Neither does Jalen Brown uh, for that matter as well. So I actually thought defensively there was too many occasions where the Bucks were just, and they were willing to switch, which is fine. But there were so many times where if the Celtics would just, just run a guy by uh, the ball handler and the Bucks would switch. And then all of a sudden, every single time you've got Grayson Allen in a one-on-one isolation situation, uh, what did you think about the way that they defended? I know you pointed some of the three-point stuff, but I just thought it was a little bit too easy for the Celtics to get the matchup they wanted every time down the floor. Yeah, I mean, the problem the Bucks have right now is they have 
they, they have too many guys that are at best, you know, passable at times defenders. Mm-hmm. And unlike Boston, which, you know, doesn't really play anybody who's, who's a weak link on, on defense. Right. Um, so uh, I think, you know, you, you add Joe Ingles. this is kind of one of the problems too. It's like you add Joe Ingles for his passing and shooting. And we saw some hints of that today, but I mean, Joe is at his best, a savvy defender, but one-on-one, like he's not going to be able to, to hold down those guys that we just mentioned either. And so you're, you just keep adding, you know, if you keep adding these negative defenders, then some negative defender you, you got to get rid of, or you got to figure out some other way to, to try to marginalize that, or you have to be really careful with your rotations. I mean, I mean, it's a problem. It's like, especially with these bench units, it's like you end up with these situations where you get, you know, like Ingles and Grayson and Bobby all out there together. And it's like, well, that's going to be really tough to defend at any, at even a passable level when you've got three guys on the floor that, that are liabilities one V one like that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think something kind of has to give when you, when you try to say like, well, what is your projected playoff rotation? Um, you know, I, I coming into this game, I, I thought, you know, we hadn't seen Wes Matthews the last couple of games, which surprised me against Kevin Durant on Friday. Um, Wes has been, you know, probably the best defender against KD the last year or so against KD. He gets a DNP. Um, and, you know, it's like one thing if you're starting, if you're playing like Marjon and, you know, you're saying like, well, like, you know, Marjon's going to have his struggles, but at least he's, you know, there, there's some point to it, right? Some developmental reason for it. Um, but I was curious if, you know, like if you're not going to play Wes, then where do you exactly do you think you're going to have enough kind of sturdy wing minutes? And so tonight, Marjon just come only played some garbage time, did hit a couple shots, which is nice to see, but Wes does play, but really didn't distinguish himself uh, in the 15 minutes that he played. He was a minus eight, which really wasn't bad by Buck standards tonight, but, um, but certainly, you know, he didn't bring some, some big change of pace either. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, again, especially without Chris, who obviously from a two-way perspective, um, just completely kind of changes the, the rhythm offensively and what they can do offensively while also bringing kind of the, the versatility from a size perspective defensively. I think without that, you know, you're, again, you always just feel like you've got that leaky boat that you're, you can't, you don't have enough buckets, you don't have enough arms to, to kind of plug the holes in. And so, um, you know, just kind of a similar story for the Bucks again tonight, just too many negative defenders. And uh, especially when, you know, Boston starts to make shots, I mean, what are you going to do, right? Like, I think Boston was uh, was looking at cleaning the glass. I think Boston was like 80 or 90% at the rim. Yeah, Boston shot 90% at the rim. Didn't have a ton of rim shots, but they were 18 out of 20 uh, at the rim. Bucks were 80%, but just 12 out of 15. So, um, you know, again, just the the, the rim defense, could <laughs> no amount of rim defense tonight uh, probably was going to overcome that three-point shooting, but you didn't get that either. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, again, like, you had 139 hung on you. It's like, you know, time to go back to the drawing board, figure something else out because, um, yeah, I mean, Grayson Allen made some plays defensively. Pat Connaughton made some plays defensively. Pat, I'm, I'm less worried about than certainly like Grayson or, or Joe or Bobby. Um, but, you know, I think, again, they're going to have to make some oxygen choices at some point. And, you know, it's games like these. I mean, Grayson had a, had a couple moments, um, didn't hit a three-pointer, had a big left-handed, I think it was a lefty dunk. Um, driving in the second half, but for the most part, it's like, you know, what is Grayson Allen really giving you right now? Like, not a whole lot. He's he started the last few games, hasn't scored double digits, I think, since the Utah game when he played really well. But um, you know, I think this is one of these questions. It's like, if he's going to be the fifth starter, he's got to make make threes, right? Like, he's got to be a floor stretcher. Some of it, I mean, I think people teams respect him, so I mean, I think he does like command the defense's attention to a degree, certainly. Um, 
but the production just isn't, you know, isn't really there. And obviously defensively, you're going to have some concerns, especially against uh, about the Boston Celtics. So I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly as much as I'm, I think, I think we both have been, you know, of the opinion, Hey, Grayson Allen's, you know, been, been some of the, the, the reaction to his struggles last year went a little overboard, but by the same token, um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't continue to start him all the rest of the regular season, because I just don't think you're going to want to start him against the Boston Celtics. And I think then the question becomes, well, who do you start in that situation? We can have probably a whole podcast conversation about that. Cause I don't know if there's a perfect answer to that. Um, but I think once again, we saw again tonight, it's just, you know, so many, so many holes to plug defensively with this rotation. And um, you know, certainly a lot of questions at a game like this, again, beg, begs of, uh, of the bucks and, you know, be interesting to see kind of how they think about it over the next couple of months ahead of the trade deadline. Well, if you are, and I'm just reading through the comments as we go through this podcast, we are live on YouTube. Thanks to everyone for jumping on the show and uh, contributing and, yeah, and venting. And this is what it's all about. Get your vent out in the stream. But if you are a Bucks fan that's feeling a little more positive than potentially some of our listeners right now, uh, then what you should do... <laughs> is go to betonline.net, the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, because I don't think the Bucks will be favorite to win the title right now, so maybe there's some value there. Check out uh, all the different awards as well, obviously, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, if you love Bud, Coach of the Year, not sure I'd go there, but uh, see how you feel. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season and basketball as well. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love your sports podcast, you can even find those there at BetOnline as well. That's always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, also, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast because if you are a Wisconsin sports fan, uh, at least you had the Packers today, and uh, most of the time we've been making jokes like, oh, if you're a Packers fan, forget about them, at least you've got the Bucks." But for today, at least, uh, you can swap it around. I believe the Packers beat the Dolphins, so shout out to the Packers, and shout out to the Packers fans listening to this podcast, and you'll hear about it. They did, and you'll hear about it on the Locked On Sports Today podcast, uh, so make sure... You check out that, and we've got some feedback here. I love how you do those ad transitions, Kane. Thank you very much. That's a nice boost to the morale on the, the day after Christmas here in Australia after a difficult uh, Christmas Day game. So, uh, Giannis against the Boston Celtics today, and yeah, I think we've seen enough with him having big games against the Celtics, but he was committed very early in this game to the mid-range jump shot. More so than I think we've seen actually at any point this season. Now, uh, Mark Jones was on the call and he said, you know, Giannis has been pretty consistent with this. And I was like, hey, yo, Mark, you better check the numbers this season because I don't think that that's <laughs> yeah. the case. Yeah. But today he did. But but overall, we understand the Celtics are going to be a team that if you just let them play in the half court and you try and play one-on-one, you're going to have troubles unless you're really hitting a lot of threes. I thought on occasions, whether it's Pat Connaughton and the guy that moves off the ball as well as any player on this team, uh, even some of the times they tried, to, they, it only happened a couple of times, but they actually put you know, Joe Ingles in pick and roll situation. What did you think of the offense overall? And sometimes you just got to make shots, but you know, Giannis going to the straight up the mid-range game and shooting those threes, not to be a cliche commentator, but I think the Celtics were pretty happy about it. Yeah, I mean, they made a lot of mid-range jump shots. So I think the, I think the numbers, um, 
inflate how well they played offensively to a degree. Um, I don't think this would, you know, at the end of the day, like again, and no shocker in a game that that was decided um, by 21 points that the Boston Celtics, you know, had, had easier time creating good looks. Uh, but I, I think overall, I mean, let's see here. The, uh, I guess the, the, the Bucks were 52% on mid rangers. Boston was 50%. So, I mean, the Bucks weren't like wildly better, but 52% is certainly better than, than what you would expect them to shoot. And they were 62% on long, uh, long mid rangers, eight out of 13. And Giannis was six of nine outside of the paint and on two pointers, which is like, you know, if you were drawing up the recipe for Giannis to have a monster night, and you said, what if Giannis hits six for nine on long two-point jump shots? You would say, hey, that's a great starting point for Giannis to have a monster night. That's something he hasn't been doing pretty much all year, as, as you just alluded to. Um, and even when you weigh in the one for five threes, I mean, he was seven of 14 outside the paint, which for, for by Giannis's very low standards, that's that's a really great night. But then, you know, you layer in, okay, well, what did you do in the paint? Again, missed two floater area shots, which again, you know, his his touch there is just like, bafflingly bad um we saw it again on friday where he had like a push shot that he like short-armed and barely caught rim on just struggling mightily from from that range you know hook shots anything like that which again against a team like boston with how many bodies they can throw at you you know if you don't have any touch outside of you know basically the the layup line then then you're going to struggle you know fortunately the mid-range shots were there tonight but um just i think what seven out of 14 so he was just two of eight inside the paint overall tonight. And again, just, just not going to cut it. Right. You, unfortunately you're, you're too dependent on Giannis. You need him to, to play at a really high level to beat a team like Boston and on a game like, you know, a game like today where they score 139, it's like, you know, you got to have pretty much everything going right for you offensively in order to keep up. And obviously the honest struggles, um, you know, probably could have been a lot worse if, if not for that mid range shooting. So, yeah, hopefully the mid-range shooting uh, starts to come around a little bit and then it starts to mean revert a little bit because he's been, you know, pretty much the worst point of his career with that jump shot. Uh, certainly the, the the worst version of Giannis in terms of, um, you know, kind of the jump shooting that we've seen during the butt era. Uh, hopefully that begins to come around a bit. Um, and again, if, if you have that, if you don't have like peak, peak Giannis against the Boston Celtics, you know, nothing else really matters. Let's be honest. Like it's it's really hard to beat this team especially with how they can get going offensively unless Giannis is playing at the highest level. And, you know, this thing too, I mean, I alluded to it, like the Bucks have been generally bad with Giannis this year relative to, to previous years. Um, and I think especially when Drew isn't on the court, like I think they're pretty sure they're, they're handily negative when Giannis is on the floor without Drew. And again, just putting the ball in Giannis's hand just hasn't worked this year. And I don't think part of it is that they haven't been able to shoot threes well enough off of his creation, but I think it's just, again, too easy to contain and overall, you know, they just need to think of kind of better ways to, to unlock Giannis. And obviously we can all say like, we'll use him more as a screener, but it's like, well, if Chris Middleton's not playing, there's only so much of that you can do. Maybe we can see them do that more with Joe Ingles now that he's back. But for the most part, the ball's going to have to be in Giannis's hand. He's going to have to create shots from nothing. And again, on a night like tonight, just didn't happen with the frequency to, to keep the Bucks in this game. It's funny because we, we get this a little bit and there's a couple of comments in the stream and I'm not sure if they're just joining us for the first time, uh, Frankie boys, so or maybe they're not up to date with what we normally discuss on the show. But the, we get we get a lot of, uh, you know, you don't deserve Giannis. Don't talk about Giannis like that. Listen, Giannis is the best player in the damn world. And we all watch the Bucks, and we understand that if he's not playing like the best player in the world, they're not winning the title. He won them a title by scoring 50 points in a game freaking six to clinch the whole thing. So 
Yeah. I mean, this is the reality. Tonight, he wasn't at his best. He would admit that. And the Bucks aren't winning the title if he's not. But I also don't think they're winning the title without Chris Middleton. So we can talk about Chris Middleton uh, a little bit after a message from NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. That'll be me, the Savo. A few becomes a few too many. That might also be me, the Savo. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Uh, now you live nearby. You can make it home, you think, so it's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You injure or kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. And that's a message from NHTSA there and a pretty good one. Definitely don't be doing that. I will not be driving. I'll be paying an absorbent amount probably for an Uber to get home. There's no doubt about that. But the Chris Milton stuff. So I did a solo pod the other day and I was discussing the idea of, um, you know, the Bucks are being patient right now. They've had a number of guys that have been injured throughout the season. And they'll tell you, and Bud's doing the post game right now, but I'm sure... He's sitting back and thinking, well, it's no time to panic. We're being patient. He says the same messages all the time. But we discussed this at many points through the season last year. Do you think the Bucs can win the title without Chris Middleton? We both said no. And I think we clearly saw tonight. They were one guy short. They were one scorer short. And you need a guy that can get going from the perimeter. Like Jason Tatum in the third quarter tonight. I mean, he was the best player in this game, no doubt. But he was absolutely cooking and there was nothing that the defense could do. And we've seen Chris Middleton do this against the Celtics in the past. So the Bucs are just in a weird situation now and people get frustrated and people get impatient about it. But it's going to take some time. Like you said, it's nearly January. There's plenty of time before the playoffs start. But we kind of sit back here. They're not going to trade Chris. People talk about it all the time. They're not trading Chris Milton. But we're also just sitting back here, Frank, and saying, <laughs> I hope cool, he can. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, this is like the same, it's the same thing we always come back to. It's like, what... Who is going to value Chris Middleton more than the Milwaukee Bucks, right? Yeah. And especially now, it's like he's an expiring contract. He hasn't played essentially all but a handful of games, and obviously he's been dinged up and hasn't found his rhythm yet. So it's like, I mean, why would you? Why why would we be talking about trading him now of all the times to to trade him? So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I probably don't even need to even respond to that. But um, yeah, keep going, Kane. Sorry. No, but but the point is, we're just playing a weird waiting game at the moment, where it's like, yeah, do you hope Chris comes back? But until he does come back, and unless he's Chris Milton, then the Bucks are going to be pushing shit uphill. Yeah. So yeah, you, I mean, you... there's probably there's probably I mean, you know, like what level does Chris need to be at for them to be in the mix for for an NBA title? I mean, does he need to be? absolute peak Chris Middleton maybe not but you know we saw it during the 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 title run right like you know Drew obviously had a lot of really bad games in that title run um again I said last year like oh well the best part about this playoffs you know is that you're hopefully going to get a more normal version of Drew Holiday and not one that you know is is struggling to be like a 50% true shooting guy and then Mm -hmm. unfortunately you pretty much had that exact same thing although I think without Chris again against a team like Boston, it kind of was less surprising that that Drew struggled. 
uh, to score efficiently. But um, yeah, I mean, again, you just need, I think Chris, um, again, if his three point percentage is slightly lower, you know, he, he, you know, loses a little bit off of what in, in past years. I mean, I think you can overcome that to, to some extent, but again, as long as he is moving well enough to defend at a reasonable level, but he doesn't need to be a lockdown defender, but you know, I think his size and versatility and IQ defensively is really important. And just the fact that you don't have to put, you know, like talk about a guy like Wes, right? I mean, Wes is, he's a compromised guy in the sense that he's really rugged, sturdy defensively. Obviously I think there's nights where, you know, he's not going to be an impactful defender and the offense is very hit or miss with him, but that's the kind of thing that, you you know, with Chris Middleton, okay, maybe he's not quite as good a defender as, as Wes Matthews, but you don't have to really big bring some big compromise on one end of the floor. And I think right now there's just a lot of guys like that in the Bucks rotation, whether it's, you know, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, you know, Joe Ingles. Um, there's just a lot of guys right now that you having to roll out there and wonder like, ah, well, having that guy on the floor with this other guy who's not a great defender, like, ah, can you defend it at a high enough level? And then what if those guys don't make shots? You know, with Chris, you've got 35 minutes per game minimum in the playoffs that you can lock up and say, okay, we've got a shot maker, passer, and guy who can defend with a versatility that you don't have to worry about. So, yeah, I mean, again, we're seeing it now even in the regular season. I think the Bucks have masked Chris's absence pretty well uh, to be where they are uh, at this point in the season. But, you know, at some point, again, you just need you just need shot makers, especially offensively, and that's obviously an area where they've struggled. But we've also seen now of late – defensively they've dropped to third in defense i think coming into this game obviously they're going to continue to fall defensively after this game giving up 139 so the defense i think has obviously had some struggles of late too and again some of this i think also just traces back to some of the compromises i mean you know the the crashing the offensive glass some of the tactics that i think have led their transition defense to be worse I don't know if you have to do those things if you have Chris Middleton and you have a better half-court offense that can create more efficient shots and you don't have to crash the boards as much in order to bandage over some of the limitations offensively. So, again, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Um, but, uh, again, all we can kind of – all we can do at this point is just wait. I, I don't know that, again, we have any any satisfying answers as far as when Chris Middleton comes back, but you just have to hope it's sooner rather than later. The, the fact that he keeps being listed as doubtful, like – maybe that's a sign of, of, of some progression, even if it's not at the, at the pace that they want, but obviously if he was close, I think you would have seen him out there tonight. Cause I'm sure Chris, if ever there was a game you want to play in from the regular season perspective, it's this one, but obviously he's just not ready. And, you know, we'll just sort of see with the next few days, um, got at least a couple more games before, um, before the, the calendar turns over and just fingers crossed that Chris's right knee starts to feel better, but, Again, you know, certainly I don't blame people for starting to feel a little bit antsy because the whole thesis was, well, Chris Middleton gets healthy, then the Bucks are going to start rolling. Well, Chris Middleton got healthy, Bucks didn't start rolling, and then Chris Middleton got, got hurt, and they're definitely not rolling right now. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. So Eliza, and and look, I must be I must be honest, Frank. Uh, I'm looking at this stream, and I am thinking to myself, people are pretty pissed off. Which hey, everyone wants to have a good day on Christmas, and Eliza. Says, I can't Somebody... see this. By the way, for the record, people, I can't see anything you're in your 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 commenting unless Kane puts it on the uh, the screen. So if people are yelling at me, I apologize, but I, I I'm not seeing it in this in this interface. So Kane, you'll I don't know if I want to see it. So Kane, you're you're gonna have to be the filter here. 
Frank, I am your protector. I will not let these pe- I will not let these angry people get to you. They can abuse me. I'm on the other side of the world. I will accept it, but I will not let them get to you. But Eliza says somebody somebody say something to make me feel better. Uh, you mentioned Chris Middleton being doubtful. Eric Name uh, tweeted that he was doubtful to this game, and I said I'm also doubtful to watch this Christmas more uh, day after Christmas game without a hangover, and that was correct because. It was stinking hot. I know it's been cold in Milwaukee, but it's stinking hot in Australia. It's 90 plus degrees yesterday. I was sweating, probably had a few too many beers. So I definitely was a are, little are bit. You, are, do, you think, do you think this makes Eliza feel better? Like we're all freezing to death here and you're telling us about how hot it is in Australia. Come on, man. Kansas is only making us feel worse. America's, know, but, America's cold right now. I know, but I'm trying to like let Eliza know and everyone else. Like if you think you feel bad, you could have watched that game at nine o'clock in the morning with a hangover. At least your night is only getting started. Watch a replay of the Packers game, watch some other NBA, play some games, have a fun night. By the time you go to sleep, you would have forgotten about it. I gotta deal with this all day. Although I am going to my brother's. He he they, him and his wife just had a baby, so I'll go meet the uh my niece for the first time. So that that'll oh, be wow. nice. What what, what are you gonna get what are you gonna get up to? Uh, I think, you know, I think we're going to watch, um, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get the, the household organized to watch the new Knives Out movie on Netflix. Um, I don't did you see the first one, Kane, the, the first Knives Out movie? No. Pro- probably not, because you just don't watch movies. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm hoping to do that, to cleanse the palate a little bit. I'm not going to be watching the Warriors, Sands, Steph play the Memphis Grizzlies. Sorry, I'm just not that big of a, of a, of an NBA sicko, I guess. But uh, yeah, I would like to watch uh, maybe a movie tonight. Um, and uh, w- while we're here, uh, some, some non-basketball recommendations. Uh, yeah, the English it. on the English on prime TV, uh, Emily Blunt. Um, <laughs> there you go. Zay nine XX would rather be freezing. So, Hey, you got that going for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, the English on, on prime, t- on prime video uh, slash BBC. Uh, great miniseries. It's only six episodes. Emily Blunt said in like uh, 1890, I think. Um, and it's about basically it's a Western, beautifully shot. Um, great, great writing, great acting. Emily Blunt's awesome. Chesky Spencer uh, is really good in it. Um, so that's my that's my TV rec uh, of the week for folks um, to to again think about things other than the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and Kane, I would ask you if you have any recs, but. I feel like you're not the you're not you're not the media recommendation guy. That's that's like me or got to bring JJ Bursch, our friend JJ Bursch, on to, for that kind of stuff. Uh, no, I don't really have any recommendations, but I will say uh, Joseph McBeath is really trying to get me fired up here by saying Joe Angles is washed up, <laughs> and I believe Joe Angles is the brother of uh, former WWE champion Kurt Angle. Uh, but hey. You know, I, I, and Baron, by the way, who was a long-time listener, said, "Yeah, hey, is, hey the, the, you know, it." it oh, I was gonna say, I mean, I, I mean, you know, Joe was, I think, one for eleven since coming back, coming into this game, and I mean, I was very happy to see him actually make some shots, make some plays offensively, because I, I mean, this is the hard part about signing a guy in a one-year deal who's what thirty-five years old, coming off a torn ACL, who's going to miss the first part of the season. It's like coming off an ACL injury, like guys are not immediately just like back. And so there's going to be this period where we're going to be sitting around here wondering like, okay, when is this the Joe Ingles that we're going to see in the playoffs? And, you know, unfortunately like this debate, unfortunately tonight was better performance, but if you watch the last three games, yeah. I mean, like, is he washed or just coming back from an injury? Right. Like 
you're always kind of having to make that evaluation with guys coming back from major injuries when they're at that age and it sucks. It's not, it's not nice. And you know, that's the, the, the double-edged sword as well of bringing back even someone like Chris, who's a high level player. I mean, it's great. The idea of like, Oh, he's going to be back. Right. And he had, he had that surprisingly really good game against the Lakers to start, which probably lulled us into maybe a false sense of (laughs) where he was and how good he was going to be right off the bat. But we saw after that, I mean, it was strikes and gutters, right? He had a couple really solid games, but some just absolute bombs too, where he just looked like a guy that hadn't played basketball in six months and didn't look like he had any rhythm. And, you know, again, like the passing, I think is always there with Chris and you hope with Joe as well, like some of the playmaking, the IQ stuff will kind of help carry them a bit. Um, but <laughs> by the same token, it's like, you know, this is a, this is a game. The margins are very thin at the NBA level, right? Like you lose something, you don't have a sharpness, whether it's physical, mental, whatever it might be, that can very easily be the difference between being, you know, an above average player and Chris Middleton's obviously a a high, very high end player and being maybe just an average player or in Joe's case, going from being like a solid player to a guy that, you know, like maybe shouldn't be in the rotation of a championship contender. So, I I mean, I think it's something we're gonna have to watch. I'm, I'm really hoping that, Joe plays at a high level because it certainly seems like the Bucks decided that he's going to be an every night player for them. And that's obviously even with Chris out, that's going to force them to make some decisions about guys not playing. And, you know, when we talk about who's out of the rotation, we talked about Wes Matthews has been a guy that sat the last couple of games, George Hill. We don't have George Hill to kick around anymore. Right. Like if you think George Hill is part of the problem, well, he's not playing Javon Carter, you know, hypothetical savior of the Celtics series last spring. He played tonight, George Hill didn't, and they got their asses kicked, right? And again, not that Javon Carter is the reason why they lost this game, but I think we saw, I mean, Javon can't create efficient offense either, right? I mean, he's got limitations. And no. to be honest, of all the good teams, I mean, the Celtics might be the worst team to play Javon against just because they don't have enough small guys, right? Like they don't have like small guards that Javon can just be annoying and, and pest pester around the basket. And you don't want to have to switch, obviously, with Javon having to defend much taller guys. So this is probably the team... You know, against a team like Philly, if Tyrese Maxey's helpful, I think, or is healthy, I think he makes sense. You know, a team like Brooklyn, he started against Brooklyn, uh, which, again, it feels like Bud is just starting guys, like, for sentimental reasons of late. It's like Javon Carter, oh, your former team that, you know, kicked you to the curb, go start against that tonight. It's Pat Connaughton. Oh, your hometown. Here, start on Christmas, um, which, uh, okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm, not, I'm never going to really complain about Pat starting because he's probably the Bucks' best fifth like player period and the only reason he doesn't start is just because you know you like him coming off the bench but um you know there's have to be think some decisions made around that and um again we'll probably save it for for an off day but um when you think about who are the best options for the bucks to be that starting shooting guard um you know i think certainly i'd put pat Connaughton ahead of grayson allen i'd probably put pat Connaughton ahead of everybody i think pat Connaughton's probably like the guy who involves the least compromises when you talk about that fifth starter but um Again, we're going to have to see what the Bucks opt to do, and we'll see if this was just a kind of one-off novelty start for Pat Connaughton with Chris Hurt and him playing in Boston. And obviously he played well today. Or do they, gasp, actually consider starting Pat Connaughton at shooting guard moving forward, which, again, I think is probably you know, the least compromising option that you have given what we talked about with Wes, you know, given where Joe is. Marjan obviously has gotten some starts, which is fun. But, you know, again, are you going to start Marjan in the playoffs? 
you know, I don't really expect Bud to do that. And I think probably defensively, he's probably a little too raw. But by the same token, it's like I, I want to see if you can still continue to carve out minutes for Marjan just because, again, the learning curve for him, you know, the more he learns, the more minutes he gets, the greater the opportunity is that, that maybe he will be a guy that, that can give you some minutes in the playoffs, right? And again, you just never know kind of what injuries might crop up and we'll just see kind of how, how all this shakes up. But right now the Bucks have a lot of options on the wing. They just don't have many guys that, that you feel great about playing against a team like Boston. And we saw it again today. All right, let's leave it there. My brother's in the next room. He wants to get to this uh, party we're going to get to. Frank, I didn't, you said you're going to watch some movies, whatever you're going to do. But hopefully everyone, as I said, hopefully everyone finds a way to enjoy the rest of their day and uh, push this uh, Bucks game to the side. We'll have a podcast tomorrow. Then, of course, they got the Bulls, Frank, in a couple of days. So the basketball doesn't stop. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try to uh, make up some reason that I have to go uh, around like Bayshore Mall or Brown Deer Road or something so I can go to Rocky Rococo's. I got me a couple slices uh, on Thursday, uh, so you know that got me feeling a bit better. Get a, get a little bit of Rockies in me. Uh, I need to get a cops visit in me before I leave. So so yeah, the holiday, you know, the holiday binge eating um, is upon me. I'm gonna eat my sorrow. So if the Bucks can't win, um, at least I can. I can eat my, my, my Milwaukee local foods that I don't get the rest of the year. And, um, you know, Hey, eat, eat my way out of this sadness. And, uh, I recommend everybody else do the same, right? It's a great time to eat your way out of some sadness around the holidays. Absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, wrap it up there for this Christmas day podcast. Like I said, at the start, we've had some good post game Christmas day podcasts. We've had some bad ones. We'll chalk this one up as a bad one, but, uh, Let's hope in a few months' time we're all making jokes about, uh, like we do about Philly, about their Christmas Day championship. So a salute to the Boston Celtics for being the Christmas Day champions of the 2022-23 season. And let's hope that's all they win. Frank, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for carving out some time with me, my friend. One day, maybe we'll be closer together on Christmas, but this is as good as it gets for now. Merry Christmas to all of our sickos out there. Shout out to you guys. Uh, and yeah, hope everybody gets some good distraction from the Milwaukee Bucks for the rest of, uh, at least for a couple of days here before, uh, before the next game. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back tomorrow for a podcast. Make sure you subscribe, uh, hit the little bell for the notifications and, uh, you'll always be notified when we're live on YouTube or when we post a new video, uh, take it easy, stay safe, catch you all tomorrow.